Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that to this day is always on the lookout for both quicksand and abandoned refrigerators mm-hmm. my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode uh we're taking a quick read through tobin's spirit guide as we head into the mouth of march madness as we travel back 40 years to talk the horror classics from our 1984 bracket. And whether you've been uh, traumatized by Santa or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your deep-seated fears hole. <laughs> and you can see us planting deep-seated fears on social media. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on both Blue Sky and Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. But it is only on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and totally tubular shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Monday, March 4th, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to Screenland.com where they will have your tubular shenanigans just taken care of indoors right now. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, but more importantly, head on over to the Friday Night Fright tab. Mm-hmm. Because we are recording far and out, out in advance. Previous lessons have been learned in previous years, so we are doing this where we don't know what we're showing. However, go to Screenland.com. It will tell you everything you need to know. But the most important thing, however, is to be following us on social media. Mm-hmm. Because uh, without the bracket... How are you going to play the game? And please continue to send in your con- uh, finished brackets. And remember, show your work. As... as Skillfully as you can, mm-hmm. as uniquely as you can, right? But that's part of the journey, and especially the fun of the battle. But the best part here, and especially in the first round, we've established a number of criteria over the years, mm-hmm. and we found it's best to look into two little bits of criteria, and more importantly, we think holistically here when it comes to uh, into the mouth of March Madness. So we first start with the heart, and we're going to ask which of the two films is closer to your heart closer to the thought now now jonathan now jonathan it's closer to the heart now get it right to pay the price now listen ian who are you telling me well i can sing a note it's closer to the thought and if i say it's closer to the no 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 there's no need for all this ruckus and writing let's just get back to the madness right too right Wow, I was not anticipating that. <laughs> Welcome back, gentlemen. But then from the heart to the head, we like to think logically as we break down the bracket topics yes. that are happening in that year. And we're going to travel back 40 years. Man. 1984. Let's just do it right now. A little. Also, right. let's just do it right now. Another time. Another place. <laughs> across the board. Across, across the, the board, board. Across the board. I mean, everyone. But normally in the 70s, we're like, wow, this one's bad. But I mean, none of these are like overt. Mm-mm. Well, 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 one. Mm-hmm. No, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I mean. Thankfully, there were a couple of these I didn't get to mm-hmm. back in 84 because I was all of eight years old. 
and I mean, the world was my oyster. Mm-hmm. There was just nothing that couldn't be had. Thankfully, I had amazing parents that were, you know, very permissive. Right, exactly. The keystone of any good 80s childhood was permissive parents. Latchkey kid. Exactly. Had access to cable. Uh-huh. Had access to VHSs. You had a maid. Had a maid in the shade hey, There was the nothing I couldn't get to, and I'll, I'll even- And dollar shows. Dollar shows. Well, it was really funny. Looking back in 84, mm-hmm. uh, the number one song was When Doves Cry. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love Prince. Dude, I- Fucking Even Prince then, is great. Prince appealed to everyone. Yeah, he crossed genres and boundaries, and I, I didn't appreciate him back. Even back then, I was just like, "There's something different with that guy." Yeah, and uh, it made made me feel a little weird. <laughs> I was always like, "Prince is cool. He's weird, but he's cool." <laughs> but then I went to, I actually went to the um the Sears catalog <laughs> in 1984. You want to talk about a wave of nostalgia? First and foremost, you've got uh, Masters of the Universe. And G.I. Joe. Oh, their toy section? Already established. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But man, in 84, first generation of Transformer toys came out. Ooh. So that first wave where you have like Optimus Prime and mm-hmm. Starscream. So I, when looking at that. That Sears catalog is more than meets the eye. Dude, that is a it's, a, it's a time machine. Yeah, it is. And especially if you were to maybe weave through some of the lingerie section mm-hmm. in there. Chapter uh, four, lingerie. But the Sears catalog back in the day had everything. Had all the toys. Uh, t- toys, electronic equipment, hunting mm-hmm. accessories. And malls. I remember going, not alone, but seeing a lot of just different stuff and things running around in the malls back in the day. Back in the day? Mm-hmm. In, 80, in 84, it just it seemed like a simpler time. Yeah. But that is to say. A simpler time. We were there listening. Yeah. yeah. To that, experiencing everything, um, but it's problematic too, though, because I know now, looking from an adult perspective, there's a lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. in the May days, yeah. and that is the baggage we bring. Because we have the rose-colored glasses, because we lived it when we were like our golden years. And so. this is about the time, at least for me, I was starting to actually make memories, mm-hmm. memories that have stayed with me yeah. 40 years later. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and kick things off with our first round matchup. And honestly, it should bring some of you some deja vu Mm -hmm. because it's actually not the first time these two titans have clashed in into the mouth of March Madness. And when we were looking at the list of films that came out in 84, I mean, there were two Right off the bat. Like, we have to have them together, and we have to have them fight. Because we, we've we got precedence set. Mm-hmm. So our first round, our first matchup, bracket. Oldie but a goodie. Yeah, we, so nice, we do it twice. Freddy versus Jason. And here we have Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Excuse me. Going back against Joseph uh, uh, Zito's uh, Friday the 13th. A final, the final chapter. We basically have the birth of an empire versus a crown jewel of an empire. It's a t- and like I said, we're looking at everything. We're like, okay, those two are gonna, they're going to compete against each other. It's got to happen. Mm-hmm. But the cognitive dissonance kicked in even then when I realized that we're going to probably have to pit these two films against each other. Yeah. Based on the precedent set. And we have to. I mean, you can't have a Titan versus like somebody. Like it wouldn't be it honestly wouldn't be fair to Chuck. A Titan versus a Mortal? Yeah. I mean, like We've we've thrown out some titles, some matchups before in the past and they have got upset, but when you have something seminal 
you know, when you have fan, when you have, well, that's the the bad thing about madness. We have multiple fan favorites Mm -hmm. going at it, but when we have two, like only a god can kill a god. You know what I'm saying? So we have to put the there. That's why, like, you have the heavyweight championship, the lightweight, the middleweight. Not saying none of them are good fighters, and there might be some upsets because little Joe will knock out King Hippo all day long. (laughs) But at the same time, at the first round. You gotta, you gotta get them. That's why we brack them. Well, let's. Which one of these titans do we talk um, first? Let's do the Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> What's incredible is we finally devoted a main feed episode to this film, mm-hmm. and it was many years in the making because a Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger, literally saved New Line. Yeah, it's the house of Freddy built. And to think that a horror film gave us the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. in so many ways, actually. Yeah. From Freddy to the pedigree of one Peter Jackson, of who was actually attached and was approached, I think, uh, the to do fifth. four or five. It was yeah. number five. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't start without Wes Craven. And in 1984, Wes Craven, he's kind of like down on his luck. Wes Craven because while he had like big hits well underground hits like uh, the house uh, last house on the on the left on the left and then the hills like the eyes. eyes but he wasn't like he he's, big big he, he was in the underground sir he was like cool and known on the horror scene mm-hmm. but back in then that was a small niche market well he's coming off a of swamp thing mm-hmm. he's coming off of deadly blessing which is and I've seen that that's an Ergus, Ernest Borgnine as killer Amish yes yes so he had a lot rolling into this, and then everything came together mm-hmm. in terms of the collaboration of the people he's working with here. It created something that we are still bearing fruits today. Talking about it today, I mean, this the lightning in a bottle for pop culture yes. for everything. So Some, much in pop culture. A, a little horror film became a franchise with dolls and toys and spin-offs and everything. It spawned a Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. It spawned kitty merchandise. Yes. And it started you could though You sleep with the Freddy pillow, like a little Freddy mm-hmm. pillow thing I remember stuff him. Mhm. Mm-hmm. But it all stems and spawns from a child killer. And in some interpretations more than that. More than that. Sometimes he's a diddler, but still, he's killing kids. But we don't get an entire franchise. We don't get this pop culture icon and phenomenon without an essentially good first film. And going back to the original Nightmare on Elm Street, two things. Number one, the scares. Mm-hmm. It's proper scary. The first sequence, Tina's opening nightmare, has my favorite jump scare of almost all time. And it's one of those simple in-camera tricks. When he pops up behind her, uh-huh. and then she wakes up, it's just, you know, Robert Anglin you know, kneeling down, waiting for the right time to, and it's, I have seen that scare people, you know, through repertory screenings. It's wonderful. And it sets the tone of this is a scary film. Yeah. It's established because we all dream for the most part. Exactly. We all have bad dreams. I'm not going to go into the forest. I'm not going to go into the water, (laughs) but I got to sleep. Yep. You know, and the fact that not that it's based on a true story, but he took Wes Craven took all these real things like the the people who died in their sleep saying that they're going to die. That There was a f- rash of them mm-hmm. in I think it was the Vietnamese community back then. And then um, 
he based the look on this homeless guy that scared him back in the day, and he named him Freddy Krueger to uh, one of his bullies yep. that terrified him, and then he used the psychology that he knew to make the red and the green yep. to He's- be offsetting. So putting all that... <clears throat> All that real fear into a made-up creature and then putting him into a story that we've really never heard before. Oh, no. And that would make Freddy above and an instant icon to his contemporaries like Michael, like Jason. We'll talk. I mean, much credit to them and we'll give them all their dues. But the one that the fact that he talks and taunts you, he wasn't quippy in the first one. He's like saying. Hey, you know, like, oh, shit, adding that little bit more of, like, audio jump scare. Um, And then the fact that he's going to fuck you up in your dreams. There's nowhere safe. He's not, if he was truly about getting revenge, he would be after the parents, but Mm -hmm. he's about petty. Freddy's a petty petty. bitch, and I love it. (laughs) He has a petty bitch myself. Like, I can, I get it. I get it. I don't condone child killing in real life, but I will invade somebody's dreams. We say that at the fucking beginning. We even in and out of your conscious like a bad dream you can't wake from. It's there, it's right? There. That's I mean, that's that's our motif. Oh, but like, but, but he's legit scary. Yeah, in he fact, is. There's a moment I know it's not him. It's a double, but it's part of uh, Tina's dream where he's doing that little waggle. Ah, right. It's it's silly, but it's funny and it's also it, like intimidating because if some is. dude who knives your fingers or knots comes at me. <laughs> Like, shit, I'm out of here. I'm yep. running. You yep. know, I don't even know what's going on. I might even know you have even, You might have the best fucking intentions. It might be dust. Fucking especially if it's Dustin. If he comes <laughs> like that at me, I'm fucking tearing out. Thank you. So, Thank like, you. I'm Thank out. You. So, no. But also the fact that, like, what got me, what got me, and I was like, oh, this is scary and cool, was when his hands extended and, like, so even back then, I was like, that's kind of scary. But the, it also looks like breakdancing. So that's why like he's always like, do the Freddy. <laughs> and it's his novelty record that stemmed from this film mm-hmm. that has given us doing the Freddy. And doing the Freddy now didn't start from this original film, but it has found its way into it to find... That just makes it that much better. Right? It enhances He's it, already breakdancing. He already has a signature dance. Like, you know, we already have the Horace Pinker, and then we have the the, the Jason, but the, his dance doesn't come until, like, eight. Um, but <laughs> not only Freddy, but also, like, we didn't know back then that Heather Langenkamp would be fucking as rad as she is. We definitely didn't know back then what was going on with Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. you know? And Robert England, and, and of course... We're like, hey, I know that guy. That's uh, and yeah. then I didn't appreciate John Saxon as much till later. But I was like, holy shit, it's John Saxon giving it credit. And this is one that I didn't catch until like almost when three was coming out. And I'm so shocked because I know there's a number of these that you did see in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised that this was one that you didn't happen to catch theatrically. Me too, actually. And so like, I guess like, no, I don't want to see that. Because it all depended on who was going to take me. And I was six, so I depended on my mom. And if mom was like, no, I don't want to see somebody in Freddy and Joe, I'll let you go see a slasher in the mm-hmm. woods or something. But I don't eh, you but know. But even in the trailer, though, it's like, the newest in horror fantasy right there was that element of other well and then you see the walls old the old school trickery oh. the wall and then also to this this day i had this weird 
Ever since I saw that movie, and, and now this weird and rational fear of carpeted stairs with that shag carpet in the middle, because my grandma's house had that, and like I knew that I one of these days I would step in it, it would just sink, and so like I always kind of walked on the side where I wouldn't fall. You into wouldn't go the into the middle of it because that's well, it's the equivalent of home quicksand. Bob Shay's idea, collaboration that happens in here. Um, the music, Charles Bernstein, it's incredible. It car- the, the theme carries through all the way. Uh, iconic theme. And then the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. S- simple. That's the thing. Simple yep. kills. I mean, that's... No, no. Sim- oh, no, no simple, yeah. s- simple, creepy setups. Simple... St- oh, guys, in your dreams, he's fucking you up. But then enhanced by just that style and the nuance. Plus, the amount of brutality and gore in this movie. I mean, with Tina rolling around. We've never seen shit like that before. Listen, I, I watched Break Into Electric Boogaloo. I realized that... People dance. Yeah, we've seen people dance in there. But the way this is used... But the way... And, right? Wes Craven perverted all of our childhoods through uh, dancing on the ceiling. I mean, that's terrifying. Same thing with the geyser of blood. Oh. You're in your own bed and you just get sucked down. I remember when I saw that... Because three came... Right? Three came out, what? Uh, like, four years later, right? 87. 87. So I would have been all about nine years old. I remember when I first saw that, I would have been... First off, Freddy Krueger, I would have been about... Uh, one and... Uh, or one. Mm-hmm. I would have been about eight. And um, I remember distinctly saying, fuck, right? Mm-hmm. When I saw... And like... I gotta light down now, and I would like kind of look under you're and hope I wouldn't get easy. right because you're not safe in your own home. No. And then the fact that he got brought into the real world to fuck you up no, that a lot of like cool, interesting ideas that still people are trying to do to this day, but not quite getting it right. Same thing that can be said with all the other sequels sure. afterwards. There was something like gritty and pure and scary about this movie, mm-hmm. and that's. Plus the writing, the dialogue, the intriguing um, aspects of it, the the direction everything took. That's why you get an icon in the making. And that's what this movie does. Mm, no, without a doubt, without a doubt. It's just the added niceness of And it's uh, David B. Miller that did give us the original Freddy, Freddy design. And I uh, guess who also worked on this? Hmm. Mark Showstrom. Really? Dude shows a up. A busy year. 84, was, 84 yeah. was busy. Well, that is to say, again, a number of people came together to make this film work the way it did. And again, also the first appearance of one Lynn Shay. Yeah. Which is. The rent's due next week, Roy Toy. A role that she's not making me sick in. It's so surprising. It's so surprising and refreshing. Now, this one. Where's your hall pass? There's hall pass. Every little bit of the film. Every little bit of the film works. Um, now, it's one of those that. 40 years later, it still feels fresh to me. That's what's actually the best part about it is it still feels like it just came out yesterday because the practicality, the simplicity, and the earnestness of Mm -hmm. everyone involved to make a good, scary horror film. Yeah. Speaking of an earnest, good people running on all cylinders to make a good, scary horror film... Our Connex competition is probably, in a lot of people's minds, one of the best movies in a long-running franchise. So from the suburbs to do a little, uh, we're going to do a little uh, rural living here out Mm -hmm. in the Camp Crystal Lake. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. I've said it once, I'll say it again. My top three, I don't have to think about it. It's two, four, and six. I agree. Depending on my mood, Mm -hmm. any one of them can be my favorite. But number four for me. 
It is the platonic ideal of what I think of with a Friday the 13th film. Yeah. Number one, it's got Jason with a mask. Yeah. It's got creative kills. It's got a good cast of characters. And it has gratuity out the out the out wazoo the out the it wazoo unreal. it gives you double gratuity and it also the best part it is has people that have gone on to other things because it's you look back and you go oh it's that guy or that gal because it's it's a well-written script with good characters that you care about the cat crazy for a friday the 13th right because of course you have the disposable teens but the disposable teens they're likable and of course and then you add that family drama element with the um Jarvises. with the jarvises this is slasher a24 right <laughs> so like <clears throat> It's that it's grief porn before we knew a grief porn. Let's put some family drama in this, but it makes it work. Yeah. It makes it work. You have stellar performances by like the likes of Crispin Glover being a dead fuck. You have creative and wonderful kills like being tossed out the window, and the cast of character, even though the sugar glass, the sugar glass, I, the sugar glass budget. budget on Nightmare, I mean on Friday movies alone yeah. is out the wazoo, but. You have the double mint twins coming out of nowhere. You have stoners laughing at old time porn. This movie is just a fun movie. But then you have special effects. You have the, Savini returning. And he is bringing his A game. Between this and Day of the Dead, of which we would get a year later. Mm -hmm. I think it's his his top tier work. Because That's coming up next year in Mosh Madness. <laughs> it might. It might. <laughs> yeah, we leave that, no, you know, if we leave Day of the Dead off, we're in trouble. There's an obvious matchup that I don't want to jinx yet because i don't want to think that far out in right right right, right 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 back to focus back to focus but savini in this one he came back with the sole intent of putting jason in the grave in the ground for good mm -hmm. he's in the title and he brings you mentioned he brings the a game they're doing kills that are off camera with shadow work and then people coming into camera you have good just level the the, the the slicing of the throat that he yeah. does there's something to a savini slice that just it's different well and then like you have characters that you yet you want to see off that do die in his specifically ways. wonderful ways speaking of like good kills like and and the wonderful effects when axel the prototype sleazy mortician or uh, the checks um, off everything we right he's horny he's drinking he's eating. eating fucking fornicating watching 30 minute workout you know he's living <laughs> his best mortician creep life but then he gets that saw. Not only does he get his neck sliced, but then he gets his ne turned. neck twisted. It's that pull and twist. Bruce Mahler as Axel. And Bruce Mahler, uh, he's Fackler from the Police Academy series. Yeah? Yeah, he's bumbling over there as well. He's But then, then the nurse gets... Jason's dirty fingers and the fingernails. Mm -hmm. Always disturbing. Because I'm like, ew, you're going to get sepsis. Even like I probably didn't get enough potassium as a kid. Because of the banana in that incident. Well, and I felt bad for that poor hitchhiker. Hell when yeah. the whole, And that's another iconic scene because she's just going, did oh, you see the banana squeeze like that? You know, she is in the Peloton commercial now. Really? Yeah. Shut the she's the door. older lady that's on the bikes going, uh, shake, 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 shake. And then she's getting on the tambourine. Good for her. That's her. That was, that's what I said. I was like, fuck yeah. Those uh, fucking bananas paid off. Paid off. <laughs> she's got that potassium down on lock. Uh, this also, Corey Feldman's performance as Tommy Jarvis in a film like in a film franchise like this to bring mm -hmm. in a kid character as a Savini as surrogate could make or break it. Yeah, but because he was a really good kid actor, yeah, he 
he he makes it and then some. And mm-hmm. that's what I his reaction to seeing kids canoodling over there. It's legit. It feels real. I feel like the same way even I'm 47 now and I feel like the same way if I saw it I'd have the same reaction. I see it's there's one of my two favorite moments. There's two interpretations like ooh hide and shy but there's also like also the wolf like ah woo. See I'm the more wolf kind. You definitely are. Well, like, <laughs> that, that, that goes without saying. Goes without saying. But it's little bits like that. There is the moment where the guy is saying out loud, "He's killing me." He's ki-. that freaks I, me out for I've some heard, reason. I don't see, know why. I've heard people laugh at that. And I've say heard that it's it, phony. I've heard them laugh too, and I hate them for it. But that's scary to me, and yeah. the fact that it's. Based on reality, we were talking about how um, Wes Craven. Craven based that the the sleep killings. That kill specifically was based on that uh, lady who died in New York oh, in the apartment. One of Eve. Um, yes, that yes that and I she know was that screaming. Scale. I'm there, help me! I'm there. He's killing me! He's killing yeah. me! Help! 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 And nobody no helped. Ugh. That's what that was based on. So again, you add that level of fear, and I think people who laugh at that like don't like know that that's what it's kind of based on. But also, que- question, how, question. How, do you laugh at that moment? No, okay. Because I'm, I'm, curious. Ge- I'm genuinely scared. Okay. Because I was thinking esoterically or like metaphorically, like if I was being killed and I'm screaming for help and nobody helped or nobody could hear, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just. And even then, like, just being like that, it's it's proper scary. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's one of those great, like, off-screen kills, and I think it gets interpreted wrong. It's And, like, no fault to anybody else, you know? I mean, because I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, you're one to fucking talk about laughing at inappropriate things. Fair. That's fair. why I posed the question to you. 100% fair. That's why I posed the question. 100% fair. But, like, again, it's the baggage that we bring, you know? I guess that's my fear for dying alone or some shit. I don't know. So maybe subconscious shit. Maybe this movie is a lot smarter than we give it credit for. So I, I, I think there is, there's the, there's, there are layers and elements going on, even just with a simple Friday the 13th film. Uh, should be noted, uh, this uh, this franchise also spawned an NES game as well. Yes. Um, so Oh, and that final kill, when Jason finally gets it. So... The moment, there's a couple of things that really upset me. It's the use of the eyebrow. Eyebrow. The twitching eyebrow. That is like, ooh, that really hurts. And the sneer. And the sneer. And then the little mm -hmm. side. Ah, it's grand. And the second instance of using psychology against Jason. It's great. It's great. And then the whole, like, is he crazy or not? Yeah. Doodle-doo. We'll see you the next time. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, a lot of love given to both of these movies, but only one can make it to the round of the Scream 16. So we got two bits of criteria. So genius. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which of the two films, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, are closer to your heart? See, this is the hardest one in this (laughs) whole bracket for me. I love them both. You know, I mean, I really, really do because, like, they're both proper good. They're proper scary. But closer to the heart... I'm going to say because I saw Friday the 1st before I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to I didn't I did get to see this in the theater because this is when I snuck into. So <laughs> <laughs> So for closer to the heart, I'm going to go with Friday the 13th. That is fair. That is fair. I've mentioned it before. I was very much uh, too scared 
to watch a lot of these growing up, even mm-hmm. though I had access to them. Um, specifically, my dad at the Stanley Volunteer Fire Station. Someone there was a Friday the 13th fan because they had all of the films on VHS. And those things taunted me and terrified me from afar, even though they were just the VHS you know, shells, the covers, and so forth. Mm-hmm. A Nightmare on Elm Street, it made its way into the playground talk. Like, I remember seeing the 30-second trailer on, on TV, and there's a moment when you see him yeah. doing the Freddy with those long arms. As a kid, that terrified me. And then I heard people talking about it on the playground, and like some kids that had the premise of parents that saw it, they, they made it even scarier based on what it was. Oh, yeah. The playground talk was, was crazy. <laughs> it was nuts. It was so crazy. That it set this expectation for me that I, when I eventually got down to it, it kind of exceeded it because I had that baggage. Mm-hmm. And for me, the fact that it made its way to the playground, for me, closer to the heart is a nightmare on Elm Street. Now, uh, from the heart to the head, looking at the bracket topic itself, Freddy versus Jason, a number of ways that we can break this down or interpret it. Would you like to start first or shall I? Um... I'll go ahead for the bracket type, um, our bracket type, uh, Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Nightmare on Elm Street for this one. Okay. Because this is the birth of Freddy. This is the quintessential Freddy for all. This is the scariest Freddy. This is the, the base print. Everything else after that's your own interpretation, but this is where it comes down to. This other on Friday, this was supposed to be the end of Jason. Game over, f- everything's done. So, in fact, we even got Roy on the next round, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he also, Freddie also created New World Pictures. This created a Friday created a whole like well and people didn't like Roy so we, <laughs> right so I think for that I'm gonna go with Nightmare on Elm Street. No, well, that is fair. That is fair. I I was looking at this one a number of ways because it's tough to put if you're like literally gonna put like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy versus up you know Jason Part Four you know the real nerds out there well you know he's now seasoned uh, he's doing that for me it comes down to. I'm going to say, in this case, the actor that's playing and portraying in this case. Um, Ted White, I think, gives an underrated performance absolutely. as Jason Voorhees. Oh, absolutely. On, on, off screen, because he was a good dude off screen. That's what I heard as well. But when we think of Jason Voorhees, I think for a lot of people, they automatically go to Kane Hodder. Yeah. And that is because we've had a variety of Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Now, you might get different versions of Freddy, the character... But it's coming from the same actor and the same wellspring in this case. And that is one Robert England who has just stamped yeah. his presence, like you said, in pop culture. When we think of Freddie, we think, of, think Robert of Robert England. England. When we think of Robert England, we, we think, think of, of Freddie. Even though he's he, he's Buck. Right. You know, he's, he's a number he, of right? things. He's fucking V. So, like, <laughs> no. He, he was in Nightmare Weekend for a brief second. Yeah, he was. It's like, great. It's great. But... Because of the consistency of Freddy in this case and the fact that it is his first appearance, for me, you can't go wrong with Freddy. So by a vote of three to one, 
uh, dreaming its way into the round of the Scream 16. (laughs) (laughs) A nightmare on Elm Street making its way. I did not think it was going to be a three to one. I thought it was going to be more divisive. I thought this was going to be like, I thought we might have to go to the cover of a certain magazine. Right, me too. I really did. But honestly, though, I think it's because I've gone back to final chapter more times here through like repertory screenings and this Mm -hmm. and that. I don't get to see the OG Nightmare on Elm Street too often. So right. again, any other day we've recorded, it may, may be switch. different. Yeah. But in this case, making its way, Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, looking back to 1984 and thinking of the things that scare us beyond Freddy and Jason, mm-hmm. there are a number of things that we were kind of just taught to assume. Right. That outside of our homes, there are a number of things that could get you. Uh-huh. Especially when you lived in the city. And especially when you went out of the city. Out of the city, regardless. And be it rogue, ice cream people, <laughs> clowns. Right. Specifically, two things. Number one, mm-hmm. quicksand. You had to watch out for quicksand. You had to watch out anywhere you go where there's not like, and even the quicksand can show up like loose pavement. Were you ever weary of going into a, a strange sandbox that you weren't familiar with? Because it's quicksand. You never know. Or like, you know, even out in the, like, the brush you know, even right over here, it might be it. a patch quicksand. You know, you never know because it was everywhere. And then the other one was um, open refrigerators. And if you have, if this, if any like, if any of this stuff is brought up in a sitcom back in the day, of which, yes, open refrigerators, bicycle shops, <laughs> a number of things we were taught to be fe- to be in fear of. Yeah, you have to watch out for open refrigerators. Discard refrigerators that is signing if you go near if you look at one. You're, you're in that's trouble. signing your you're death warrant. You're in trouble. And they've shown up in horror films before. Mm-hmm. Bloody Birthday, great example. <laughs> yeah. A few years ago was an honorable mention in a 2021 tournament, but another one that in the 80s was showing up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Above ground, underground, <laughs> everywhere. Was toxic Waste. Yes. Which brings us to our next matchup and our next bracket topic, which is Toxic Waste Not Want Not. <laughs> we have two films featuring Toxic Waste. We uh, we have Toxic Avenger mm-hmm. going up against Chud. Mm-hmm. Genius, which one do we start with first? Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers, not to be confused with Bud the Chud. And not to be confused with anything associated with one Larry Cohen, mm-hmm. this is directed by Douglas Cheek, and because it feels so authentically dirty yes, and 42nd Street. Grit and grime. I often assumed it was by one of those, but no, 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 no. But there's the other reasons why I think this feels so authentically New York and dirty, and that it's because it's authentically New York and New- dirty. Right. And- we talk, often talk about films that kind of make their way into the DNA of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, you have, we got to address the elephant in the room with the Home Alone reunion between John Hurd and Daniel Stern. It's great. I I hope they had some fun anecdotes on the set of Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Think back, well, at least uh, we're not being chased by Chuds. Right. Oh, let's get John Goodman. We'll get all the whole gang back together. <laughs> the Wet Bandits taking on Chuds. Yes. I'd be into that. I would love to see Kevin McAllister try to defend his home against a chuds. group of chuds. And like what happened, is, what how, what it is, like he uh, Daniel Stern is the reverend. And he leads his like homeless population of Preaching chuds all those- <laughs> to like we're gonna get revenge. And then and he's got to. 
And then the, the the next door neighbor comes in with his shovel and then takes the remainder of them out and then saves little, you know, I think that would work. Yeah. I don't know about saves, but yeah. Because you know who that neighbor is, right? Yeah. The guy from Deranged. Yeah. He's crazy. He's that crazy. He's in a whole bunch of shit. No. Chud. Before we go into why this movie is effective for me, this movie is seeped its way into pop culture like significantly for being an underseen film because if you still like tell like a lot of normies they might know of chud but heard of chud but to actually watch chud is a different story well let's anyone out there that might be to be their first into the mouth of march madness tournament their first episode why is this particular film so important to the very foundation of not only this podcast but of one genius mcgee I will not walk over sewer, uh, sewer grates, manhole covers, um, any of those like like slats that are on the uh, the metal slats on the ground. None of it, not a single one. Because when I was younger, I was watching the fucking teaser trailer. The teaser trailer for this movie comes on, and the teaser trailer is is the first scene in the movie, right? And it's this woman who was actually Daniel Stanger's wife at the time and still is um, walking this little dog. So dog drama warning right off the bat. Yelp review. Yep. Um, she's walking the dog by the manhole cover. All of a sudden, she's like stops to look at something. Uh, greasy reptilian hand reaches out, grabs her, drags her down and the dog into the sewer. And like then you hear cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. My mind was blown. I'm like, that's what lives in the sewers, right? They were talking directly to you. This is why. If you stand close to these or walk under the, because I was already kind of nervous and apprehensive because I've always been a big kid, right? And like, I never trust those little slats and those little like, (laughs) you know, those fencing grates that you see over Uh there. I I never like walking those over in the first place, especially because you can look down and I'm fat and I might fall in. Plus, I've already heard the, the, you know, there might be alligators and at the time, clowns, which... No, I so I didn't trust it. But now that I know what actually is down there, fucking cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, mm-hmm. Chud, I could put a name to my irrational fear. No, no. And every time like it, it gets like a little cold or something like that, and the manhole cover starts steaming out, yep. I'm like fucking Chuds. Remember when? Remember when we were at the all, Alamo and I would always throw a smoke. I'm like a little offering for the Chuds. Leave me alone today. You know, just like have a smoke, have a smoke and a smile, and leave me alone. So I'm curious then. How excited were you when the Chud reference showed up with the Simpsons? Cause no, I was not necessarily excited. He knew what I knew. <laughs> that in New York all there is is pimps and chuds. You know? <laughs> so like if any uh, if any movies had taught me anything at that time, you know, growing up at the gritty New with the gritty New York eighties. That's all there was, was violence and, and, and monsters. So pimps and chuds makes perfect sense. So I, this is the thing when I want, re, go back to chud, as I want more chud. See, that's the thing. I, I get too uh, many arms of chud. I want more chud in this. This is a slow movie. This It takes its time to build its character. And aside from the first kill at the beginning, you don't get a lot of gore at the end. But... You are invested in these characters if Certainly. you take the t- if you take the time like watching me like but at the same time yeah I'm I chuds are like Poochie where's the chuds why aren't the chuds here what the, the other thing though in terms of the toxicity of the matter 
And this is something that I assumed, and it's addressed in, weirdly enough, in Jason Takes Manhattan. Right. But is the storage of toxic waste in the sewers and the underground. But it's also almost chin chud because it's a lot of it is focused on like what's happening, what's the cause of it, what can we do about it, like a lot of the policies. And if you go in looking and like, okay, it's chin chud, then then like that makes a little bit more sense. But if you're going in and thinking that it's going to be this mad chaos, like when I finally conquered my demon. Yeah. Were, Were you disappointed? I was like, oh. It's, That's what all the hubbub's about, you know. I still don't want to fuck with the chud. No, no, no. I still no. don't still because, especially fear. now with my own baggage, that there's more things to be afraid of in the sewers too. It's not just the chuds. So this is actually and something I always forget. Plus rats, of, always rats, always rats. But the thing I always forget, and the thing that always brings me joy, the sword play. That comes in. That comes back. Actually, the chuds and the chuds. When we get, I've heard people bitch. All oh, the chuds don't look scary. I think they look great. I've always enjoyed the design of them. I always actually, and then, then the fact that they can mutate while what? they're attacking. Well, and one of uh, one of the designers on them was one Ed French. Yeah, oh, coconut liqueur, chud liqueur. Tried <laughs> chud liqueur. Um, I will say John Hurt is great in this. Uh, Kim Greased. Is another one of those actors. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah. Oh. But Daniel Stern steals the show, even from the cop with the cool mustache. Okay, Rob from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has to be a fan of this film because of the fact that there are so many sleeveless shirts being <laughs> rocked and are just <laughs> dirty. Every the whole movie's filthy. Is so, there is even a when, of filth over. Even it. when he goes to see the bureaucrats, he's, he's covered in filth. filth. He's cleaned up and he's still fucking filthy. It's, it's hilarious. That, and that's just the thing. That's the, there's not a lot of levity in this movie. No, but it's it's things like that, and it's your investment in a character like that. Right. This is preacher. And the, what's fun though is again. Not too many years later is he is a more established. He's a wet bandit. But we also, it's a Yelp review oh. because, like, you see the doggy from the first aftermath later. Speaking of, you forget who's in there. Young Svelte John Goodman. Young John Goodman playing a cop. And that's the kind thing. Of I, a, kind of a dick cop. cop. Playing a dick uh, cop. <laughs> with uh, with his partner, Jace. Uh, another that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> No, the only thing that's like, I wish I would have saw that, because like, you have a diner massacre in the middle of the movie, I know. and it's just like, oh. I understand there's always budgetary reasons. Right. I understand. However, See, I get attacked by more voracious chuds right now. Well, it's funny. I felt like you in this case, where I wanted more. Right? I needed Where's the chuds? Where? I needed more of those. But you know what I also just watched recently was a Talking Heads video. I think it's Wild Wild Life mm-hmm. and Young John Goodman's in that as well. Really? Yeah. The music for Chud is rad. Uh, either Waxwork or Death Waltz. Mm-hmm. Put a, uh, a vinyl out, which I I have. It's really good. It is. It's super fucking good. The The music is legit good in this movie. And, and it all started, what's fucked up about it is like... Criterion when it came out and our neighbor fool's joke is like we're gonna make it too you done up chud <laughs> right because like miss because they're thinking it's a dumb film but then arrow was like arrow. okay we're gonna fucking one up you we're gonna do it right and it's rad i got it you gave it to me so like <laughs> again you have a relationship with this movie which is tough because when we bring in movies like this to the tournament yeah we understand there's a lot of personal bias there and that kind of baggage. That's why we have the heart category. Yeah, but again, though, but there's a reason. This is this is on the radar for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, one of those movies. If we did in '84 and we didn't have this competing, there'd be issues, partially because of your baggage. Right. Yeah. Now, going from 
What seems to be the or other other thoughts on that? No. Okay. So from one dirty Forty Second Street to a whole dirty Forty Second Street over town in, over in New Jersey, there in Tromaville. Tromaville. Tra- uh, trauma, trauma. I don't care. This is your warning uh, for everything. It, it, and this is everything that's great with independent cinema. Mm-hmm. It's everything that's great with genre, but this is also where you can have. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Biscuit is agreeing. Like, yeah, you guys are talking toxic. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Because <laughs> Tromaville, Tromaville. It is not for everybody. It is a specific taste. Mm-hmm. And it's always one of those that I have always appreciated more, more than, than applauded. I've enjoyed. Yeah. And even going back to this, what makes me laugh throughout is that. It spawned, amongst other things, another one that spawned in a Nintendo game. Yes, a cartoon. And a goddamn environmentally conscious cartoon. A comic book. And another, it spawned an empire. Empire. And it is, leans, this is, this film, out of all eight, is the the one that leans hardest into its R rating. Yes, absolutely. This is the one, it, guts, gore, viscera, violence. Yelp kinda, review. Mad Yelp review. And you know what? Good special effects, honestly, because oh, like well, mm. some of the head explosions, some of the uh, more vile aspects looked really good. Like um, the gym equipment slaughter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That makes me wince every time. Because it's shot well and the head looks good. They hold when, on that. When they run the child over, it's the- this movie is... Is Stephen mean, King approved. But it's meaner than you realize, but and- it's done in such a playful way it's a mean-spirited adult cartoon uh, live action heavy metal but meaner and again the jokes are not going to be for everybody i wasn't clutching my pearls at any point but there was time where the movie lost me and like it had it gained me back with just how goofy it was actually multiple points where i was like this is crazy offensive. I'm not offended. I, I'm not personally offended. I'm not is... personally offended, but I can absolutely see why people would be offended by this movie. So, like, <laughs> it's... and so there was, like, I'm like, wow, this is definitely, like, I was just flabbergasted on my last they, watch. Do you think they were trying to go out of their way to offend? Absolutely. I think they were going, Mel Brooks and Lloyd Kaufman are two are two sides of the same coin yeah because mel brooks was kind of helping people up and propping up and all about comedy and pushing the boundaries and stuff and so is lord kaufman but i think like it's the humor that you find funny you still find the same themes funny but you're not saying your taste become a little bit more sophisticated but let's just say mel brooks is 16 year old humor uh, Toxic Avenger is thirteen year old humor. You've been able to walk away from that edge. You're, the, yeah, you're edging away from being the edge lord. Because this movie is very edgy and it's pushing the boundaries of bad taste on mm-hmm. purpose and not in the camp way. Although it is, it's hard to describe. It it's is. so hard. It leans hard into the camp where like this is so nonsensical and make believe you can't take it seriously. But in that shit, there's some like vile repugnant things but also some hilarious and wonderful things and so that's why it's this weird dichotomy where it's not going to be for everybody and even the people who love it are not gonna like all of it you know so this movie is not definitely not for a lot of people but 
it has spawned uh, so much an, another empire. You know, trauma is the house that Toxie built, mm-hmm. and people to this day applaud and laud it. And then this is trauma is Rob Zombie. That's fair. A slimy Rob Zombie in a way where I'm more of appreciative mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. than a mm-hmm. fan. But like this movie, I because I've seen every single Toxic Avenger movie, and then like I, I enjoy the Toxic Avenger movies. This one I think is the most gritty and raw of them all, and I think this is also the best one of them all. And not, it's not a dig at all because no, this is actually it, is a really fun entertaining i was entertained throughout this movie jennifer aspinall did the special effects work and she killed it and she would go on to do street trash Mm -hmm. so there's a and that's the thing i also was very entertained and also maybe it's because we are getting older yeah i wasn't because i remember at 16 like oh this fucking movie is great this is great and now i'm like heavens although i will say this it also gives me an appreciation of the variety and the cast and the hierarchy of goons. Yeah. And one of the goons shows up in uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, the one with the, the diamond in his tooth. Ah. Yeah. yeah so. Well, and everybody was doing such vi- But I'll tell you what. When they shot the dog, oh, that lost me. That lost me because then they come back. It, and, then, and then I was laughing at like, okay, he's going to get his hands in the fryer. But then they're like, what happened to your dog? And then they showed the guts of the girl and the dog and the dog is breathing and crying. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh. I was angry. It's I was too far. I was angry. You're not far. fucked up. Run over all the kids you want. Throw all the old ladies in the washer you want. But you kill that dog. Fuck you. Uh, but then, like, they did more goofy stuff, and I'm like, okay. But a lot more sex than I remembered. But because I remember the first time I saw this movie, it was on. Um, I it was on not up all night. It was on Commander USA's Groovy Movies. So an afternoon. It was heavily thing. edited, way oh, more edited than regular. An hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, because there was a lot of. I remember a lot of Captain uh, USA yakety smack. Yeah. Same thing when I saw it on late because they showed it later on uh, Up All Night that same weekend. But it went through three cigars that day. Yeah, and there was a lot of yakety smack with That's Rhonda. Fair. That's fair. Because I think she had Uncle Lloyd on there, so they're like, "Oh, look, we can fill up the time," you know. <laughs> the man can promote. Yes, he like can. Nobody's business. Yes, he like can. He is business. the the OG hustler in Hollywood. So we've uh, talked a lot of toxicity here. Well, let's see which of these two toxic films will make their way into the round of the Scream Sixteen. Mm-hmm. So up first, we have uh, which of these two films, Toxic Avenger or Chud? It's closer to your heart, Gene. Come on. I'm asking. I have to ask. I have to ask. <laughs> Chud, of course. I, I, it's a fear to this day. <laughs> to this day. Yeah, there's no, you don't need to defend it. Listen to the back catalog. Right. To the defense on this one. So this one is weird for me because I came to both of these late. Mm-hmm. However, I wasn't familiar with Chud. But I was definitely familiar with the Toxic Avenger, right? And I actually reverse engineered because my one of my first trauma films was actually Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. And the fact that they have built a universe and crossover in that universe, there's so much that comes from that. So in terms of nostalgia, that's kind of that adjacent, uh, the overlapping bit of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, just in terms of closer to the heart, it actually, weirdly enough, is the Toxic Avenger. Now, from the heart to the head, looking at the bracket topic. Which is toxic waste not, want not. How are you going to break that down and interpret it, genius? 
Toxic waste, not whatnot. It's all involving a toxic waste. So you can say, what makes the bigger impact when creating the toxic waste? Uh, with the chuds or with the toxie? Um, but for me, I'm going to say toxie wins this for waste, not whatnot, because the sequel to Chud had nothing to do with the original, <laughs> right? That is fair. So that they kind of wasted it away while the Toxic Avenger went on to create so much more. And so there was no waste to be had with the budget. So I'm definitely going to go for waste not, well, Toxic Waste Not Whatnot. My vote's for Toxie. See, that's weird. I have the almost the exact same rationale is the fact they wasted nothing with this film. They used every bone. They used every bit of skin, fat, every visceral, sinewy part. Mm -hmm. They formed into the other films, into the universe, into, again, to the Toxic Avenger being something that your, your family might have heard of. Right. Might have heard. It's or maybe even seen about bought you a toy with unwilling. Absolutely. Again, an environmentally conscious cartoon. Uh, uh, Peter Dinklage is coming up and making Blair's with Elijah version. Wood. Yeah, I'm very anxious to see that. So they're continuing to build from what is just the carcass of this really weird thing. So my apologies to your childhood fears, my friend. But uh, by three votes to one, uh, <laughs> dredging its way into the round of the Scream Sixteen. New Jersey's one and only superhero, the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> it's going to make it. In oh, I'm already looking at that battle. Interesting. Now, Freddy versus Toxie. <laughs> it's, it, it, we have all things for all people. There's Toxic Waste, bitch. That's okay. I shall defend it. You know what? Gives good. Gives me more time to talk about that voice. Because that's the other thing I legit love with that. We'll talk more then on Friday. Now, <clears throat> our next bracket up and our next uh, matchup here. Legit, one of the things that what I love with horror is the fact that there are many types of horror out there. Mm -hmm. There are many conversations that can be made about what is horror and what is not horror. And it's a lot of those conversations that... I think this podcast is built upon. Yes. Uh, some of our favorite conversations are built upon. So our next bracket topic. Clash of the Classifications. Uh, uh, unleash the Clash. The Clashing? Cl the Clasher. Well, we can release the Kraken anytime because, you know. La, da, da, da. <laughs> but in this case, we have two films that are definitely ones that are horror adjacent in mm -hmm. many different ways. They're definitely two that I think are going to be more familiar with our normies yeah. out there, uh, we have Ivan Reitman's The Ghostbusters going up against James Cameron, The Terminator. Which one do we talk first, Genius? Let us talk Terminator. We don't get to do Arnold a lot on here. Let's just start right off the bat. Dong! Yes, Arnold Dong. The Aus We see the Austrian oak. And <laughs> that's the thing you forget about, 1984 Arnold. He'd still give you a full frontal because mm -hmm. then in, uh, in look at my body, it feels like I'm climbing. In '91 or '92, when he did T2, you get ass cheeks, mm -hmm. but you do not get full frontal. No. He had become a superstar at that point. So you, relish you don't get to fact, see my wiener no more. But the three punks that got to see it include Bill Paxton and Brian Thompson. Nice hog pig. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I forget, and that's what I legit love with this movie: the inclusion. Dung so, over, man. But the fact that this is such a staple of my childhood, I didn't see it in the theater. Mm -mm, this one I missed. 
But because of access to HBO uh-huh. and access to the video store, because it wasn't full on horror, it wasn't in the horror section. No, it was in sci fi or, or action. action. So I felt safe to rent it. And I was also familiar with Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. So I knew he wouldn't lean full on into horror. Well, of course happen. not. No. But, and I still think to this day, people are going to give a shit. Well, Terminator's not horror. It is 100% horror. It's a slasher. It's a, He is a slasher with a gun. He's going to come to kill, to destroy. Oh, he's an android. He's still unstoppable. He still can, like, he does the same shit Jason Voorhees can do. Plus, him without eyebrows, terrifying. Terrifying. Coming out of, like, just driving the car, killing people. So And the, and the, the, the cop siege alone. So, the police massacre. So number one, we do consider this as a pseudo slasher or a secret slasher. Mm-hmm. Number two, the I think it was one of the repertory screenings that we were at. It was may have been at the Draft House and Theater One, where I think both of us at the same time became aware or of of the the pre, the lack of presence of the eyebrow. Yeah, and how truly terrifying that. Because I think we were like, whoa, just like jump scare, like shit. Because he's a like, ah. And number three, this there's what I love in horror. There's like a subculture of, of police siege scenes mm-hmm. in your movies. In fact, last year we were a privy to Satanic Hispanics. Right. Had a great police siege scene. Year before that was Malignant. Mm-hmm. And that had a wonderful police siege but scene. But our police siege scene includes Lance Henriksen. Right. Ask me how I about got this scar. <laughs> yeah. And then Paul Winfield character actor galore and even before that we get dick miller and this is probably 84 was a great year for dick miller let's Mm -hmm. just say that right now but this is the one where i started to recognize him as that That guy guy. because he had a presence yeah even at 80 i so i probably saw this at nine or age nine or ten but even then i'm like that i know that i saw he's that guy in a twilight zone the movie, like I already had those connections mm-hmm. to him, and then for him to just get blown away, but also <sighs> the Uzi nine millimeter, the plasma rhyme and the forty watt range. What? <laughs> just what you see here, pal. <laughs> Everything about that exchange, there, it was just. And going back to this movie, man, this is one of those films that is in my DNA that I know frontwards to backwards. There's moments, the lovemaking scene terrified me as a kid because it looks like sarah connor's in pain it doesn't look pleasurable what's happening and that always freaked me out um there is so much wonderful stan winston goodness going on oh yeah absolutely from the jump and we got italian eye trauma happening Mm-hmm. the digging into the forearm ever all they lean into the gore yeah they do especially the the first oh. one the first one is way more horror and the Brad Fidel score. I watched Sarah's theme is great. It's one of my the little scooter she's it's on. It's so pretty. It's oh. so relaxing and nice. I just watched uh, Night School. So I told you I just watched Night School. Mm-hmm. Score by Brad Fidel. Really? And every time his name shows up, be it in horror or boner jams. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes both. <laughs> he makes it better. Right. And this is this score, this theme. This is what I think of when I think of the Terminator, mm-hmm. along with an eyebrowless Arnold. But my God, the score! Yeah, it's it's a character on itself. It is. It is just bombastic and big, and just like it's terrifying. I own several versions of this on vinyl, the, like the one they pr- released in '84 and the boutique one 
that came out. I think actually Dustin may have given me that. So thanks, Mount Baldy. I appreciate that. But yeah, this score is phenomenal. It's just one of those that... Well, and it also establishes Linda Hamilton. You know, I mean, it's Sarah Connor is like makes... Well, T2 really knocked it out of the sure. park. But this one, like, oh shit, you feel for her. You worry about her. And then you it's an engaging story. A love story across time. You, you can read so much into the Terminator. It's just a proper good film. And that's why, for better or worse, how many sequels it spawned. And oh, like the again, lore that it keeps building. It's, it's built its own franchise. It is in the popular consciousness. And if you say Skynet, everybody knows exactly what you're yeah, talking what about. talking about. Right? But there is a soft moment when he's looking at the picture. And it's the picture that kid takes. Mm -hmm. and he's always he's talking about. I was always wondering what you were thinking about during that moment. And you realize she was thinking about him. Yeah. Oh, that gets me every it's goddamn a good, time. It's dude. a goddamn it's so good, good story. It's, so good. it's it a good great. script and good story. It's another one of those that simple. Yes. A robot. Well, I know there's well, nothing simple about a robot coming back in a well, time no, to kill somebody, but he got taken to court. Right. Through it's uh, simplicity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, no. it's just it's just a good film. I this is one I love going back to, and, it, and another one that. But that one I came late to too because you went to part I two went to first. two first, and then I backwards engineered. Do you remember how weird it was to go back into the first and see one? that he was a bad guy? And it yeah, or leans into the horror. Yeah, possible sides. I was like, that? this is dope. Yeah. You know, but this is apples and oranges. This is alien to aliens. And the, the which makes sense. Connection. connection. <laughs> the the aliens, the Terminators. There was, there was, <laughs> and that has also be said. Apparently, he is not someone that is fun to work with. No, I heard that too. Yeah, but at least okay. he's no Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Oh my, uh. oh my god. So going from um, artificial intelligence and dystopian futures, one I did see in the theater. I technically saw this one as a drive-in. Nice. And I will say this: it's those little elements that really lay in. But Ghostbusters is another movie that. We've never done on the main feed. Mm -mm. And and before you say, oh, Ghostbusters is not horror. How is it not horror? It's dealing with ghosts. People get killed in the, the rampage. Question. When you were a kid, when you saw this in 84, that opening scene, did it scare you? Jim? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It scared me to the point where I was like, I love this. As in yep. like, because yep. like, this is great. I wasn't expecting what to think because, like, I knew of Dan Aykroyd and all them as funny people, mm -hmm. right? And because I, I was not saying I was a hip six-year-old because what the fuck is that? <laughs> but like, I remember like, oh, they, he does funny stuff, and I know that they do funny things, and you we went in, them as funny people, right? And then people, and then my mom was like, oh, okay, let's go see it. It's a PG movie, you know, mm -hmm. things are hunky dory, can't be that scary. And then when that jump scare popped out, I was like, wow, that's cool looking, right? I was just. I, I think it was like <laughs> it was like one of those like monstrous scares because a lot of people freaked out and then it awakened the monster in how you. funny it was. Well, I, I will tell you this. I remember distinctly remember when I saw it in the drive in. It was probably a good thing I wasn't in the theater because I was ready to run like it scared me like that was a legit. And it's Steve Johnson did special effects work on this. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Edlund did like a lot of the visual work. But you OK, the funny. Rewatching this, and this is one I have not rewatched in quite some time. Yeah, it's been a minute for me. But I did watch it all the time back in the day to the point that, much like the Terminator, I fell right into the rhythm of every joke, of every nuance, to the point that in that opening scene um, where we get Burn in Hell, Vakeman, and the whole the experiment he's doing, number one, 
That is one of the bullies that hung out with William Ostrander and Christine. <sighs> so he's one of the do- ones doing the grease lightning up on there? And number two, it wasn't until Reflection that the, the actual experiment that he was performing of like paranormal or ESP ability through um, negative reinforcement, mm-hmm. when he got the a couple of wavy lines, he was actually doing it. He was mm-hmm. proven Vakeman's theory, but Vakeman... And it was this viewing, I think, the baggage we brought. He's such we a creep in this movie. He's so terrible in he this movie. He is taking the results of the very thing he's looking for so he can get a piece of tail. Yeah, it is. He's despicable in this movie. And he's wonderfully despicable. Yeah, he is. Because you're rooting for him. Mm-hmm. It's the guy from Meatballs. Because he's it's charming at it. Stri- he's charming while he's being despicable. And this is like... Peak Murray. <laughs> this, is, this is just... Ah, per- Peak Murray, peak Android, peak Ramus, uh, peak Ramus's hair. Yeah, in this film. Yeah, uh, Harold Ramus. Harold Ramis. I'm not gonna say this is peak Ernie Hudson. This is the world's introduction to Ernie Hudson. I think Ernie Hudson had his peak later on in different yeah. movies, but like, because he didn't, he didn't have as much to do. If they would have kept the same script where it was Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. then he would have had so much more to do. Rick Moranis this time. Rick Moranis. He had a busy year too. Eighty-four. From going from Streets of Fire from Prick Moranis to, to Lewis Tully. Nowhere fast. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the gatekeeper nowhere fast. And we're having a big party. And you should come, A. We're having I got mineral water. And then I'm going to shrink a kid. And then I'm going to blow it up a baby. You're going to blow up a baby? No, but it's not as bad as it sounds. So you should come on down because we're having a real fun party. And it's going to be great. I'm not going to be sorry about it one bit. Come on uh, down, hoser. It was I got to work on my Moranis. That well, wasn't bad. Well, it was even the stuff that he was doing in the background. Non-verbally, uh huh. That I could not dream. Yeah. I keep my eyes when he's li- when, especially when he's Vince Tully. Vince Tully, yeah. when he's like, and this is a quotable film. Uh huh. There's just so much going on, and this is like the peak of Ivan. This is this is almost like a Canucksploitation film. Mm-hmm. The people involved, absolutely, absolutely. You hear, you hear heavy metal in it too. You hear the the, the Canada and the Canada and that guy is like, sorry. I'm sorry, Ray. Sorry, I am sorry, Vinkman. I didn't mean to do that. I, it just popped in my head. I didn't know what to do. Uh, and also, there's something about that, like how young they all are, and how I'm sad that really Harold Ramis isn't with us this year. We're getting, We're getting another Ghostbuster movie. Did you watch Afterlife? Yeah, it was fine. It was I liked fine. it. I liked it. it. I liked the Marshmallow Men but were cute, I and then the, the callbacks. But this new one's going to be like winter, and it, it's going to be new. So it I'm looks like they're exploring it. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Um, the score, I love. There's so many bits and pieces. Sigourney Weaver in this film. Wow, so good. Thinking of her going from um, um, aliens to into this Ghostbusters. Did you notice when she's being pulled in by <laughs> getting groped? Seriously, come on, guys. But all the practical effects still held up. Yeah, they do so yeah, well. They do. And even the the, the 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 slight when you mix the CGI and the green screens and all that, it still worked really, really well. Like, and I remember just my favorite part of the movie is the whole um, when they release all the ghosts and you see the different ghosts running amok in that that always fascinating to me because i'm like i want to see a ghost apocalypse that looks cool that anytime no new york can get decimated by something other world not saying i want it to happen but when they do it in movies it looks fucking rad because like it's neat it's a lot it's mayhem whether it be aliens or ghosts or, or monsters or whatever so we talked about our experiences growing up with this movie and now watching it many moons later mm-hmm not only did we get a distinctly different vibe from the Ghostbusters themselves, but 
the great William Atherton, who is a that guy character actor. I feel so bad. So his role is Walter Peck. Dickless, as he was... Mm-hmm. Apparently, this movie about ruined his his, uh, his, his life. career, but his, his life, life outside. But the EPA... Is 100% correct. But they're labeled as the bad guys in the they're film. They're What did you say in the movie? Only in the 80s would the EPA be the bad, bad guys? Bad guy, yes. Anyone that is, you know, you know, killing our chance at making money. You know, capitalism is our god. And that's what this is all about. Good, he's right. They're going around with fucking proton packs. We don't know what the I'm science is. Nuclear accelerator. Exactly. And then in the and then here's another thing. But not only okay, so not only is it um, dangerous, possibly dangerous to keep the um, containment unit because all the power and grid, and even the guy, the um, electric guy, is like I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> we don't know what if it explodes. We see what happens, right? But not only that, the ethical implications of what the Ghostbusters are doing are terrible. For all intents and purposes, these ghosts are lost souls. You would have been a subscriber to The Atlantic because when the the montage of like magazine covers they're on, one of them says, do do spirits have civil rights? Right. So you're not alone, my friend. I mean, they totally should think about it. Like, what if you're like, you didn't choose to be a ghost? Me, I would. If given the chance, you want to be a ghost? Fuck yeah. You can be the ghost with the most, babe. Right. But like. Of course, you you lean into the shenanigans. Oh, you know I would lean into the shenanigans. If I had ghost powers, fuck yeah. But anyway, so, so like, seriously, you don't choose to be a ghost. Okay, so what am I going to do? I'm kind of hungry. There's all this food. I'm going to eat it. Oh, no. Here's a dude with a fucking laser that just decides to throw me in a trap. What did I do? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's false imprisonment. There's no ghost meander in Miranda rights. I heard nothing lately. No. You have the right to remain ectoplasmic? I mean, because <laughs> he even said, what, what at the very beginning, what is this, the library on the third floor when all the goo and shit was on there? So, like, yeah. Yeah, that, that viewing has definitely tainted a few things. Correct few, choice of words, sir. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> but that is to be said, though. Even with the different perspective, the funny part still hit. I was mm-hmm. anticipating the funny, all the nonverbal stuff. This was a very nice warm rewatch yeah it was even though with the terminator i watched that last year like that one's one that is pretty much on the on the rotation Mm -hmm. ghostbusters isn't so much so obviously a lot of love given to both of these films but only one is going to make it into the next round so genius ghostbusters or the terminator which of the two is closer to your heart i remember having the best time at the movies that day with the ghostbusters and the family and just all that stuff and it was scary and it was funny, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. can see why people, after they watch it, lean heavily into it. Because it's neat. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting concept in a cool world. The fact that it spawned cartoons. The fact that it spawned a f- another... Uh, remember there was the real Ghostbusters versus the Ghostbusters with the gorilla? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And so, like, no, and there's this whole mythos of it. So, for Closer to the Heart... As much love as I got to give the Terminator, mm-hmm. I got to give the ghost, the OG Ghostbusters this one. That's understood. That's understood. And this one this one is also tough for me uh, because of the fact we put a lot of stock in the theatrical experience, you know, first time viewings like that. And that drive-in, it was one of my, it was, uh, I was eight. It was a very significant memory, without a doubt. But man, the amount of times though I watched the Terminator on HBO and that closing shot of her driving into the mountains and that storm coming in, it always filled me filled me with a lot of fear, mm-hmm. but also filled me with a little hope because you know Sarah Connor's out there fighting it for us, right? 
but I looked forward to that. And it was one of those first films I remember looking forward to and would go out of my way, no matter what part of it was on during HBO, mm-hmm. I would watch it to its entirety. Oh, absolutely. It's and, one of those movies. And even when it wasn't on HBO, I would go and rent it. And because of that, there is that warm feeling of, if I'm in my if I'm in my head mm-hmm. and I'm at my, my safe place, I'm like an eight-year-old kid, I'm in front of a TV, and there's like this warm glow from the TV, and there's nothing else around me. And the Terminator's probably on. The Beastmaster's probably on. Something I would have seen on HBO. And I saw the Terminator on HBO a lot. So yeah, closer to the heart for me is going to be the Terminator. Now from the heart to the head, looking at our bracket topic, Clash of the Classification. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm curious to see where you're going to go with this. Because I've, I almost kind of changed my the way I was looking at this. But would you like to go first? Sure. Lay it on me. If you tell hardcore horror fans that these are horror movies, more than likely you'll hear, okay, whatever. If you tell normies that these are horror movies, they'll probably be like, okay, whatever, right? <laughs> these are horror movies through and through. The Terminator is 100% a slasher, just with guns. Mm-hmm. We've, we're we're going to mm-hmm. see it later on down the line, and that that's, that... That's viable. He does the same thing that Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees does, just with all sorts of manner of weapons. Uh, Ghostbusters, again, it's about fucking paranormal shit. It's about ghosts going around haunting people, fucking people up. So when you break it down like that, I think more people will be like, I can see where you're coming from with Ghostbusters, but I'm going to take a little bit more convincing with Terminator. And so by that alone, I think because that you're telling people that... Like, People can buy that Ghostbusters leans more into horror. Sure. No, it's a comedy. There's fucking horror comedies and then the best, right? Um, I'm going to say because it's a you have to defend it less, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Ghostbusters. Fair. And I'm taking a similar approach to that because, number one, I do think both of them serve as gateway to horror mm-hmm. because yeah. it is very much surprise. The very Because, again... I surprise, up, surprise. Exactly. Uh-huh. I grew up scared of horror, but I grew up with the Terminator. I grew up with the Ghostbusters, so they were they my are good gateway. gateway into that. However, it's easy to define Ghostbusters as a comedy. It's easy to define the Terminator as sci-fi or action. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, people have a hard time adding scares with their humor. So horror comedies are hard to make a good one. And in this case... All you have to add is there's, you know, there's there's ghosts. There are undead things involved. Yeah. It leans into horror. People have a hard time, as you mentioned, accepting... Killer robot. Cyborgs. Yeah. Horror. You know, and it's like, well, if you think about it, you know, Frankenstein's kind of like a cyborg mm-hmm. in a way. Exactly. And the Terminator, like the Hitcher, like possible... Uh, like another film will eventually be talking in madness. It's Correct. a secret pseudo slasher. So the fact that for me... It is the one that I actually have the most fun defending. It gets my vote. Now, in this case, oh, we have a tie. Now, thankfully, in the event of a tie, we have a familiar magazine cover that we mm-hmm. like to go to. Uh, Genius, what are we looking into? We go to the cover of the old thing. Go, going to buy a copy for my mother. Going to watch some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old Fango. And this is also where I think 
the classification issue comes in as well. <laughs> because only one of these appeared on the co- on a cover on a on cover cover. So this is a cover. This is cover. No, no, no. Photo. no. This is actually unfortunately not all on the cover. strip. This is a film strip. Going into the round of the Scream 16, because perhaps Fangoria thought maybe it was more of a horror film. I'll be back. Yes, he Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I will say this, though, because we are fresh off that Ghostbusters viewing. It was great. It was really refreshing, was it not? Do you think it might make us go back to some of those films that we're very familiar with, but we haven't seen in quite some time? I think so. Absolutely. I mean, like, it's always good to do that every well, now can. and then, especially if you're like, ooh. Oh, hey. Oh, no. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> well, our last matchup and our last bracket topic brings us to the most wonderful, wonderful time, time of the year. That we just experienced just mm-hmm. a few uh, months ago. But looking forward to the holidays, specifically to the Christmas holidays, we have our final matchup and bracket topic, simply holiday horrors. Yes. Another bracket topic that's so nice. We This is actually more than twice. This more is, than twice, yeah. And that is to say there are a number of holiday horror films out there. Mm-hmm. There's a reason it's a beloved genre. There's a reason there are some beloved films in there. And thankfully, in the year of 1984, we had two classics, classics. Two totally opposite spectrum sides, too. Oh, we'll get to that discussion. We'll get to that discussion. We have Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, by um, Charles Sellier Jr. and Gremlins by Joe Dante. Uh huh. Which one shall we start a snowball fight with first? There must have been some madness in that Santa suit they found. For when they put it on Billy, he massacred the town. Oh, Billy, the madman was as crazy as they say. As he got shot down by the law in town saying, punish, punish, punish all the way. <laughs> have you been have that in your sheath for quite some time? That's wonderful. That, is one, that might show back up on uh, the game of games. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Punish! He won the original. The one... The, the, the bombastment of... The bastification of the Catholic Church. Shame! Shame on you all! You failed this child! Mickey Rooney himself had to chime in on the controversy. And there was... Jiminy Jillikers. There was controversy with Silent Night, Deadly Night. This is before the internet. This is mm-hmm. when, on a slow news night... This trailer ran. Some random yokel can get all up in arms, clutching their I pearls, and then go on the new and like tell some news story. Oh, you can't believe what's going on with this Christmas. They're taking the making the it, sanctity of Santa Claus, right? And then it next is, thing you know, everybody else yokels across the country, up and down, <laughs> start clutching their pearls, leading me leading a. Fucking protest in March. This movie beat Nightmare on Elm Street at the box office for two weeks when it came out. But then the controversy, gone. Gone. And that is to say, this is a favorite of the show. Absolutely. The series is a favorite of the Yeah, I mean, (laughs) from our commentary early on, which I know is a favorite. Except for three. And to all a good night. 
part three, I know it has its fans out there. Yeah, but it, of uh, you know what? Out of the when you can go one, out of the five, four for five. That's yeah, impressive. It's a great. That's a great track record. That's impressive. But we don't get five of them if this first one doesn't work. And I think this film works for a number of reasons. <laughs> and first, it yeah. I mean, listen to the giggle. <laughs> There's some monstrous inspired carnage happening in here but there's also pathos because you feel bad for billy from the get-go from the get he's done dirty and he's done sleazily dirty too and even at the beginning from his own fucking family you know today is billy the grandpa now listen so he got shot in eyes of fire will hair will hair sets the tone for the movie <laughs> and the glee he takes terrorizing little billy and you better run boy you better run, run for, for your life, life. <laughs> that delivery i remember we hosted we did a screening of this at tapcade and you had a similar looking thing and i kind of made you give the delivery and it was joyous and there is joy to be taken because if anything we've established you're the monster in you that's the stuff that appeals to the monster and again from eyes of fire to the guy that has the pine farm and back to the future right will Hare is that guy all over the place ah great uh of course linnea quigley in this love linnea with a, with a killer rack <laughs> i'll allow it because it's, it's a, fairly iconic it's and it's a rack on the deer yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. but uh, it's good it, kill. all of those things like coalesce into this what i don't it is kind of sleazy it is especially when like not graphic but like santa claus is about is the assaulting about to, assaulting somebody yeah, yeah. and so you're like fuck in front of the kids and the kids are in peril the whole time so on that aspect like ah yeah but then later on like it becomes a pretty standard. It, it slasher. becomes a standard slasher, but with fun kills. And like when when the guy when the when the teens, quote unquote, the thirty year old teens are going down. That's our sled, and they start going down. Punish! And then he just comes and lobs the dude's head off. It's hilarious. It's pretty grand. It's funny. It's once it gets over its sleaziness, it leans into like oh, we're just making a fun dumb slasher. Let's do it. And thankfully. It's not Stephen King approved. No. In fact, for a moment, you're like, no. Oh. No, but he's just giving rid of the murder weapon, get an extra set of prints on it. Mulleted Billy punching out Santa is still an all timer for me. It's And it's, it's those so little funny. bits of levity. It's hilarious. That I don't feel guilty anymore watching because I think because of the controversy of this film, and this is another one that had an amazing VHS cover. Mm-hmm. That Iconic VHS cover. Tormented me back in the day. But I had built up so much baggage that when I finally saw it, that yes, it's go, oh, yeah, it's kind of sleazy, but. Based on everything else that I've taken in now, right? It's fairly tame, and then that's why I think then because then you can have fun with it, and it's when you realize you can have fun with it, and when you realize that where it went down the line, and Scream Factory put out a great Blu-ray box set, uncut footage that they inserted that added a little bit to the gore. Yeah, it did. That was added. Um, the don't the fuck Iris with Toy this, Store, man. Iris Toy Store, and the whole let's get shit faced. All those little things I enjoy now. It did. It, I like. I, I look forward to actually going back to those. You legit didn't want to see people. Some of the people die. No, I kind of. Well, and and yeah. again, you felt bad for Billy because if things are, the circumstances, everything that happened to him was not his fault. Not everything beyond his control. The fact that Ira put the fucking suit and like even when you said in the commentary, further. 
Yeah, here's the co- here's the part where we can hear his mind snap in half. It's the Catholic Church, my friend. They are responsible for so much of what's everything. Happening in this film. Everything. You feel so bad for Billy when you sit down and watch this movie. And that's again when you bring the baggage now, right? From wanting, you know, looking at the standard slasher and now going, oh, oh, Bill. oh, oh hey. Billy. Which is why it has many layers. Which why it has a franchise. Which is why it's a holiday staple. It's mm-hmm. in my yearly rotation. Absolutely, mine too. And another one that's in my yearly rotation. One that's yep. not sleazy. One that's for the entire family. Yes. Kind of, yeah. In a way, great. Joe Dante's Gremlins. I we've done a commentary for both of these films. We've done commentary for. Mm-hmm. It's another one that has wonderful collaborations happening. Uh, this is peak Spielberg. This is peak Chris Wallace. Mm-hmm. This is peak Dante. Dante, letting to get basically here is a Norman Rockwell setting with Joe Dante getting to call the shots. Let's throw some cartoon madness into it. And we recently, we did a commentary for Gremlins to the New Batch in January. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it got us thinking, we both love the, in fact, I know you are a bigger fan of part two than you are the OG. Uh-huh. But the OG still, though, established as so much that they were able to expand upon and satirize. Without, without one, we wouldn't have two. Exactly. And it's part one, though, that establishes the cartoony, the cartoon lunacy. Mm-hmm. It creates this madcap world. The mischief-making levels of the gremlins and the, the may- glee they take exactly. into it. <laughs> we and maybe not my first introduction to Frank uh, Welker in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much that the theme, the theme. Dick Miller showing. Dick back Miller up. showing up. The Fetterman curse. The the, the Fetterman. The Futter the, the Fettermans. Fetterman. Yeah, just everything about that. But you said the theme. Every time I hear the Gremlins theme, it just brings a smile to my face because I know mischief's yep. about to happen. Yep. Like, it's yep. just, the whole theme just screams mischief, like mischief and like shenanigans. Jerry Goldsmith, an amazing composer, but mm-hmm. that one in particular, that one just yeah, it does. always hits yeah, it does. the right notes for me. And then even when it's like, you see the Kingston Falls and it's like the do, 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 do. It's very idyllic, mm-hmm. very Burger Spielberg-esque, you know, there's everything. And then like all of a sudden, like just cartoons, you're introduced to even the denizens are cartoons. Mrs. Deagle, she's a cartoon in herself. And the fact that the, while I don't like her i do like the fact that she has a bunch of kitties because she's helping out the cats trying to humanize her right (laughs) the crazy cat lady but uh uh her to my the first time i saw this movie that one specifically right i literally almost pissed my pants i had to get up and leave the theater and i almost didn't make it because i was laughing so so hard and when they go back to it and they just see the feet up in the air that's when i was like ah and I had to like scamper because yep. I remember turning back and looking around and going <laughs> and then like having to run the lunacy of it the fact that when about she's happening you hear the cartoon like the Tasmanian devil's about to pop out and then she just flies out the window and lands in the snow it's so chaotic it's an act it's an actual death People forget how many people the gremlins actually kill in this movie. I mean, they kill Santa Claus on the in front of the car, um, and they kill the two cops. Uh, the, they have a very, very high body count, the gremlins do. So it's this weird 
dark humor mm-hmm. and the fact that it was going to be even darker. darker. I'm glad they found that nice balance between the dark and the family and then the the seriousness not seriousness of it but like the whole like hey we're trying to make it appeal to more mm-hmm. because this oh who was it marketed to kids kids <laughs> kids and kids there was gremlins cereal there was the hardy's record the hardy uh-huh i had the gremlins backpack that had the embossed uh stitch gizmo mm-hmm. on it because it was green glasses yes the so many so many kids items and what people didn't realize then that's the beauty of spielberg and especially dante because dante has his roots firmly in horror oh absolutely firmly in horror so there's no like oh he's a john hughes that's maybe doing a little bit more like darker stuff no he's like they even said probably tone it down yeah (laughs) you know but spielberg Spielberg has this wonderful knack of putting in these horror movies under the guise of not horror movies. Mm-hmm. Close Encounters can be scary, but Jaws, Jaws is a straight up creature feature. Jurassic Park, 100% horror movie. This I think we've got a good long record of defending Spielberg as horror and And Jaws. so him producing like, yeah. "Hey, you want to make you want to put some monsters in there? Go yeah. ahead. Don't make it too dark, but go ahead and kill off Santa Claus." We don't want a Yelp review. So right? Barney live. Yeah. You're good on that side. But it's funny too. Genuinely funny oh. and the cartoon jokes in it like um the time machine in the background and then disappearing and then disappearing in the next scene the the robot from forbidden planet i would recommend quarter oil you know just all these different everything with white axton yes it's just the reverence for funny old cartoon logic funny and another one where we have a sword in use that goes from decorative to actually functional so thank you chud and gremlins Mm -hmm. in that case now gremlins is a on the yearly rotation for me <laughs> the bathroom buddy fuck yeah the bathroom buddy so obviously a lot of love given to both of these holiday films oh wait 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 oh, wait, wait. Oh, uh, yeah. let me see uh jingle bells cake uh, christmas smells billy needs to get laid the bathroom buddy is really cruddy and the futterman's got away I didn't, I didn't realize this was going to get, like, customized little <laughs> Yuletide greetings for each film. Tis Christmas. Just <laughs> what the holiday tis, tis what the, the holiday is all about. <laughs> so, obviously, again, a lot of holiday love given to both of these films, but only one is going to be uh, Yuletiding its way into the round of the Scream 16. So, Genius, Silent Night, Deadly Night, or Gremlins, which of the two is closer to your heart? See, this one's hard, because normally I would go with... Um, my the experience in the theater, you mm-hmm. know, like almost peeing my pants, laughing so hard. But our commentary that we've done for Silent Night, Deadly Night—I've said it before—is probably one of my favorite commentaries we've done in the ten years we've been doing this. So that's where it's kind of like ah, tugging on the strings, right? But I rarely came that close to peeing myself <laughs> in the theater <laughs> since. So um, for that alone, just the fact that I had the, all the merch, mm-hmm. I was its target audience, and I ate it up hook, line, and sinker, while I will, to this bat, say the two is significantly better than part one. And both of these are on my rotation, so that doesn't come into play. But I have to go with Gremlins. Gremlins is just a, been a part of my life for a lot longer than Silent Night, Deadly Night. And that's, Gremlins gets my vote hand down in terms of, closer to my heart because I did see this in the theater saw it at the theater that was at Metcalf South in Mm -hmm. 84 and it is again one of those memories 
that I so hold so near and dear because it was during the kitchen sieg segment that my grandmother, who was with just me and my mom, my mom, my grandmother, and myself, you know, she leaned in and she's just like, what kind of movie are we watching? Because she <laughs> was having bad rip. My mom, she, she, she like literally, we just did a commentary track talking about Dungeon Master. She watched that with me and was like, huh. I thought there'd be more boobs in this movie. Like she was, she knew genre. She was comfortable with it. So mm-hmm. she knew going in, little monsters, probably it's Greg's going to be fine. Shouldn't have been worrying about me. She'd been worrying about my grandmother. My grandmother was clutching her pearls, freaking out. And I loved it. I, it felt so taboo, but yet it was with, is with two of my favorite people. Right. And that is such a memory that I hold so near and dear. A so movie for you is freaking out them. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. So because of that, it is closer to my heart. Now that being said, Again, from the heart to the head, looking at our bracket, holiday horror. How are you breaking it down? How are you defending? Genius, what do you got? They're both in my rotations. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. argument is right out the window. So I based it. What can you do that makes it a holiday? So you you can't have Silent Night, Deadly Night without Christmas. You can't. True. Very true. It's a killer Santa Claus. The first movie is a killer Santa Claus through and through. While the other ones lean off into its own little thing, they're still set at Christmas. You can't have a... And the Toy Maker. You can't have the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise without Christmas. Mm -hmm. As we've seen, Mm, Gremlins even works better without Christmas. (laughs) So for that lone holiday horror, I'm going to go for Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's actually, I really like your defense of that. I really like that really works. Now, for me, though, when I'm thinking holiday horror, ideally, I'm thinking how inclusive can I be with the horror? Because if I'm thinking holidays, for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. that involves family. And then involves people of all ages, all different interests, all different tastes. And even though I wanted to start our very first Christmas with the nerds with Silent Night, Deadly Night. With all the kids walking in. (laughs) The kids walking in. Deterred me and maybe go, oh, I need to rethink this. And therefore, thinking about the kids, thinking about Gamera and Wu Tang, I would like my holiday with the families to be something a little bit more that I can have for the kids. And right. even though it might traumatize some of them, because gremlins can be scary, yeah. it's definitely something I can throw on with the family we during ho- the holidays. We've hosted more movie parties for gremlins than we have for Silent Night. Exactly. Although we've done both. This is so- it's getting there. <laughs> So by a count of three to one, <laughs> multiplying its way into the round of the Scream 16 is Gremlins, which means our next matchup is on Friday. We have a Nightmare on Elm Street going up against the Toxic Avenger. So Burned Faces, uh, mm-hmm, double feature there. Mm-hmm. And we have the Terminator going up against Gremlins. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. I would actually watch a movie because you know they would fuck up the factory where they're made, right? <laughs> they're gremlins. Right? It's they're going to fuck it up. But you know also, like, you know, you have a gaggle of them, a Terminator would just wipe the floor with a whole bunch of them. So I think it'd be a good even battle. Yep. So who will we be talking these films with on Friday? You're, you're just going to have to tune in to find out. So mm-hmm. until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. We'll see you in your dreams. Gotcha.